You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Surviving Coronavirus, How to Keep Businesses Healthy During the Pandemic, featuring experts from Chargebacks 911, including our COO, Monica Eaton Cardone. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, my name is Jared Wright. I'm the marketing director here at Chargebacks 911. And I got to say, I'm really excited to be hosting this event today. Um, we've been receiving a lot of questions from merchants over the past few weeks. And so we wanted to do something that would uh, hopefully address many of those questions and concerns I know that people are having out there. And um, we've put together what I really consider to be the dream team of experts today, because joining us, we've got uh, Monica Eaton Cardone. Uh, Monica is our COO and co founder of Chargebacks 911. Um, she is really as much of an expert on chargebacks and payments as there is uh, probably anywhere. So uh, we're really excited to have Monica uh, join us today. Um, also, uh, Don Bush, uh, who's currently the VP of uh, Partner Relations. Don has more than 12 years in the payments industry and has a background most recently in the fraud prevention space. Um, before he joined us here at Chargebacks 911. And then last but not least is Craig McClure. Craig is the Director of Relationship Management. Um, Craig has 15 years working in card issuing as well as three years at Visa. Um, so thank you so much. Um, here, let me unmute you guys. Terrific, um, thanks Jared, I really appreciate it. Great panel today, a lot of experience. Um, over the last couple of weeks, obviously uh, everybody's health and concern has been number one and we hope everybody there is out there listening is is healthy and taking all the precautions they need while we're going through this unprecedented time in our our country and in the world's history as we started looking at what was happening to business today um, the impact has been tremendous it has been uh, both positive and obviously there are some negative things that uh, we'll discuss as we go through today but uh, especially online businesses have been hit in all kinds of different ways. Uh, this little chart here helps outline what we're seeing as far as risk, exposure, things that are happening uh, in the industry today, in the market today, around the world. Uh, obviously the travel industry, the hospitality industry has been hit pretty hard with non-travel mandates and travel bans and restrictions. Um, but other areas, all the support areas of those industries have also been hit, the suppliers and so forth. Uh, other areas that are gonna see some high exposure are things like gaming and durable consumer goods and automotive suppliers. Moderate, you're gonna see things like um, technology hardware, uh, media, things like that. And then the lower impact is gonna be things like food and retail, with one exception I think on there, and that's gonna be delivery. I think delivery is gonna have a very high impact uh, people asking things to be delivered their meals to be delivered their food to be delivered um, that delivery is going to see a very very high impact as we go through this uh, potential impact for internet service companies not getting all this online i don't know about you but i've got kids at home and that are doing school now at home i've got you know business that we're running out of the home so that internet impact is going to have a drag on things that we're going to do so there's some expected impacts and unexpected impacts uh, that we're seeing all around the world. Monica, are there any things that, that you see specifically as we start looking at how this 
COVID-19 is starting to affect the economy and, and what we're doing online? Oh my goodness, like what isn't affected? I mean, I know, you know, before this, we already had this movement from bricks to clicks. Everybody was moving online. Um, I think, you know, an, a statistic recently is that Italy alone, since uh, the coronavirus, has increased e-commerce by 81 uh, percent. So not only are we seeing a major gravitation uh, toward e-com, but also just the, really the focus of businesses today and and consumers, you know, by default is changing. It's more about the balance sheet. Um, it's about protecting even the customer experience. You know, we we've for for such a long time we've been focused as as merchants, uh, really trying to remove friction from customer experience. And today I think it's about you know really just protecting mankind um, and making sure that we that we establish longevity. So yeah, lots and lots of changes, lots of impacts for sure. And trying to keep as normal as possible with all the dramatic changes that we're seeing is just it's an it's becoming an everyday life uh, uh, yeah. issue. It, I do think that conference calls are becoming a little bit more entertaining though. Like sometimes you know you hear the dog bark, <laughs> you hear children. You know, it's it's nice to just it really kind of weaves a little bit of human mentality together, and we we remember how close we are, even though we're completely isolated. Um, but yeah, yeah, new challenges. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the screen backgrounds in some of those conference calls has been interesting too. You know, um, <laughs> as we start talking about liabilities uh, across all business sectors. Um, supply line interruption, customer support being overwhelmed. This is something that, I mean, literally less than 30 days ago, we were running life as normal. And all of a sudden, overwhelming customer support lines, both online and call centers. Uh, I know, Monica, you've got some experience at call centers. Have, what do you, what, have you ever seen anything like this happen in the past? Oh my gosh, this is, I mean, no, I don't think that anybody could plan on it. I mean, most businesses have a disaster recovery plan, but you know, when you, when you deal with, there is nowhere to go to in the world. Um, it's really technology is becoming front and center and our, our speed to be able to adapt and, and work together um, is absolutely vital. You know, I think that you, you, you said a, a really a critical term right there, and that is adapt. When we start looking at uh, things like increased consumer fear, you know, I think there are some legitimate fears out there about the economy, about our jobs, about um, supplies and things like that, but that also leads to financial volatility, um, which means that we have to adapt. When we start looking at things like our current customer policies, um, our return policies, our refund policies, you know, um, how we manage these things through the system are all being stressed uh, beyond what I think we've ever seen in the past. Um, and never let a, a, a critical problem go, go by without fraudsters jumping in the mix and just mixing the pot and making it even more of an issue for us. We're seeing increased fraud activity as well. And there are other factors, and, and we'll talk about some of those today as well. But it's not just the travel industry. It's the reverberations are being seen throughout 
almost every industry out there when you talk about fulfillment and service delays and interruptions and things like that. So um, one of the things that I wanted to show is a chart um, that, that I think will describe what we're going to be seeing here over the next few weeks and maybe even next few months. You know, like I said, less than 30 days ago, we were going along. It was first quarter. We were doing well. And then we had um, the government policies, the, the pandemic issues start to affect everything and everyone, which drives transactions dramatically lower. In certain industries, harder than others, but we are seeing a lower number of transaction volumes. But we're also seeing increased volumes for disputes. A lot of those are legitimate, obviously, with what's going on. But I think we're going to see that increase in disputes over the next several weeks, even the next several months. Hopefully, over the next few weeks or, or a couple months, we're going to start seeing the transaction volume come up too. But either way, these are critical times in our business to make sure that our policies, our business critical procedures are in place so that we can protect not only what we're doing today, but what we're going to see over the next several weeks. Monica, when you start looking at, this is almost a reversal. We usually see transactions really high, disputes really low. This reversal in this chart is just, um, it, it's unheard of. What? How do you explain how dramatic this is and what's going to happen? I mean, chargebacks last for 30, 60, 90, up to 180 days, right? Yeah, I think um, I think the the thing that is that's difficult um, is that you know you have we we're going to see just it it may be that in some industries you know they may see just a trickle in of chargebacks they're definitely going to see an increase but what's happening that that isn't a good indicator of what is to come and we need to be really cautious of that because with the increase of customer service calls people you know changing their viewpoint from you know really making smart sane decisions people are worried about their own personal survival they're they're worried about their jobs there's i mean over three million uh layoffs just in the u.s in the last week alone and of course you know the rest of the world is suffering uh as well but if you if you take a look at that type of impact then today more than ever you're you may experience um, the downside of you know, opportunistic consumers, people looking at their bank statements and thinking, what can I challenge for the survival uh, of, of my own family? How can I get enough money in the bank to make sure that I get through this? And those rationales, those justifications are some of the most dangerous threats to our economy especially because it preys on merchants and a payment system that really isn't equipped to deal this type of volume. It, then when you, when you take that, and I think you know, from, from Craig's background, he can speak to some of the manual processes and all of the, the backlogs that these issuing banks are having to deal with. It's, we, we've, our, ourselves, we've been in uh, some crisis management strategies uh, for the likes of Thomas Cook, uh, they're an airline, you know, out of the UK, and just you know, seeing some of some of what has gone on in that environment alone is is just frightening. I mean, Craig, what what are you guys seeing? Uh, I know we've had. Hey, somebody has a little bit of 
like air on this, by the way. Can you put mute? Okay, cool. Craig, so in terms of what we're seeing in the UK, um, you know, from, from Europe, from that side of the equation, uh, how are the banks? Can you just like give us some insight with what issuers are doing, some of the backlogs, um, what some of these merchants can be expecting and how they can prepare? Uh, yeah, sure. So it's a, it's a very complex picture, as you'd imagine. Um, what we're seeing, generally speaking, is issuers attempting to move as many people away from telephone interaction as they can. I mean, naturally, people, I think, as you said, Monica, people are getting into, I need this fixed now, and they think they're at the front of the queue, whereas actually there are, there are some people who are stranded overseas or stuck in difficult situations that the banks need to help first. So that's first and foremost. But what that's doing is then creating an increasing backlog of of, uh, of claims to be dealt with. That at the moment we're hearing is dominated, as you'd expect, by travel. Um, so I think any merchant who's involved in that sector, get your get your policy statement out there really, really quickly so everyone knows what you're doing. If you're refunding, make that really well known. If you're giving credit, make that well known. Otherwise, there's a there's a bit of um, a mess and issues are attempted to make a charge back to to appease the customer, which ends up being difficult for, for everyone concerned. And then secondly, there is some beginning beginnings of noise around customers attempting to, to get a refund for other types of transactions. So th there is some of that. And what we're hearing from issues is that they have to spend a reasonable amount of time um, talking these down. So there's there's definitely a, a lot of noise, but, but increasingly we're seeing issuers pivot, and I'll end on this point, pivoting to moving as many people into digital, so away from telephony and face-to-face -face into digital, which tends to take away the, 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 the ability to, to have a kind of broader discussion about the nature of a transaction, the nature of a dispute. So these digital experiences tend to be quite rules-driven, which end up perhaps in some occasions generating a chargeback, which may not have uh, otherwise uh, done so, which is just a, a function of, unfortunately, where, where we are with uh, the number of people who are not working, um, out of the businesses, etc. Yeah, so, so I mean, did, I, did I hear one of the policies you were saying is proactive communication? So yeah, I mean we're seeing those merchants who who are or the, the, the feedback from acquiring banks here is that those merchants who are making it very clear what they're doing. So um we've got a couple of airlines who said, Hey, we're suspending our entire flying program. Anyone who's in that window has the opportunity to do two two things. One, get a refund, tell us it will take us time to get it to you, but it's coming, or two, rebook. Those merchants who've who've not done that, and there are a couple of hotel chains who've kind of said we're watching it as we go, they're seeing a creep of transactions being charged back because um, the customers are uncertain about what that merchant is going to do and it's getting closer to travel time. Yeah, one, one thing to keep in mind, too, just on, on the point with these issuers. So statistically, you know, if, if once you move to a digital chain, so if you are placing a chargeback through your mobile device or you're going online for online banking and, you know, it's literally the click of a button in order to be able to handle that surge of demand, um, you know, statistics are showing between 33% and 50% increase in disputes. So, you know, in order, it's, it's a quick solution, but it definitely has a long tail of backlash. And, you know, this is really where merchants need to be proactive, acquirers need to be proactive. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, tackle a whole bunch of questions um, to give you guys some insight of what's going on in the industry and how we can help, you know, as a team combat some of this. You know, Monica, um, 
just a reminder to the audience, if you've got questions about things we're discussing now or that you have thought about during this uh, pandemic and, and things you've seen in your business, please send them in. We'll answer them as we go. Uh, anytime uh, we get one question, we'll, we'll pop it up. We've got several lined up here, but feel free to answer questions or ask questions as we go. You know, one of the things, Monica, you would normally look at certain things like what we've got on the screen right now is, you know, use multi-layer fraud detection and share your contact info and deploy alerts and things like that. We're not in a normal phase right now, are we? No, no, we, we're really, you know, everybody has, has come to us and said, hey, what can we do about chargeback mitigation? How can we stop chargebacks? You know, I think if you're focused, if you're a business and you're focused on what can you do to mitigate chargebacks, I think we need to change our focus to think, what can you do to make sure that your business survives? And, you know, these are things like protecting your cash reserves. Define what your core priorities are for your business. Refine your customer service policies. You know, leverage outside assistance and expertise. I know for our business, we are actively, we, we've actively identified any area that is not part of our core expertise and looking for, you know, really outsource solutions. What software solutions are available so that we can have our team focus on what's going to create the most sustainability and make sure that we survive through this and that we can continue to 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 help you know the economy um but yeah there's there's just there there is a tendency for especially for entrepreneurs you know our entire even for myself personally as an entrepreneur i i want to focus on things that are positive i want to focus on growing i want to you know, pretend like tomorrow everything is going to be wonderful. I it, it is it goes against the grain for me to focus on am I prepared for a worst case scenario and really, you know, buckle down and make sure that everything that we're doing is protecting, you know, the, the business that we have right now. And that's the only way that I think that's the smartest thing that a business can do today. We're really in crisis mode. Um, we're in the save the patient mode. And we, we need to uh, you know, work together to make sure that all the luxuries and services that we have in our economy today are there as soon as we're done with this crisis. Um, so yeah, I think a, a totally shift in, in mentality and the way we think about business um, is, is probably needs to become front and center. So Monica, I think there, um, you know, you cover a lot of ground here, but I think we've got a lot of questions from folks. As Jared said, over the last week or two, we've had several questions come across that we thought would be important to um, get out there, as well as questions that are live. Um, Jared, can we go to the next slide? And let's start with the first question that we've got on the docket right now. There we go. So if I offer a one-year gift certificate in lieu of canceling, am I legally covered? Uh, so so here's, the, here's the deal. Um, in terms of, you know, being legally covered, so what, what is really important is that uh, a merchant understands that according to the terms and conditions, uh, that is really what governs the legitimacy of your sale. 
And as long as you are abiding by the card brand rules, um, which your processor or your merchant account provider, they would have only given you a merchant account if your terms and conditions aligned with those rules, um, then you should be covered in the event that you have a chargeback. Now, here's here's the issue. If you are if you are if you have the customer and they agree to get a certificate, then you should be covered. Make sure that you save that communication because you can use that to defend yourself later on. But if you are forcing these certificates and you don't have anything in your terms and conditions that provide that option, then you're really going to need to engage, you know, have a conversation, make sure that you know you get some empathy from that consumer. Um, and then just to just to touch, you know, on as, as far as the chargeback mitigation strategies, look, the, the being concerned about being legally covered and are you going to win that chargeback? Everybody should be understanding at this point. Look, you you are going to be getting more chargebacks. You're going to be getting more chargebacks than you've ever gotten before. You're going to be getting more friendly fraud, and, and so plan on that. There's not going to be. A, a, a magic bullet or a, a method that you can employ in order to prevent this from coming. The best strategy that you have is to just make sure that you're prepared for that worst case scenario so that you know, you're know you safeguarded from revenue leaving your account. And the best thing, and one of the best things to do there, save evidence and get communication, digital communication from customers. Um, that's really your best bet. That's terrific. Monica, we've got several questions come in, um, and I know we're going to cover some of these, but I want to just get this out there. And, and Jared, feel free to go to the next one if you want to. But in what specific ways are card brands adjusting to this global situation? Are they changing their rules, their monitoring programs, uh, anything like that? So I know Craig and our team um, in uh, – you know, that has been working with the card brands uh, to to try to, and and some of the the, the organizations that we work with, um, in in helping to lobby extensions in times, giving merchants, acquirers, and issuers, you know, more time to process the influx of chargebacks. Um, I know there was recently, I think as early as today, Visa has has just announced that they are going to be taking on additional effort to help identify invalid claims from issuers. And if they find them, then reverse those. We don't have a whole lot more information on that, so hopefully that comes out. Um, Craig, is, in terms of MasterCard, I know they've also said they're extending um, what issuers Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Monica, sorry, you, you're correct. So Visa have, um, and MasterCard are, are watching this, as, as everyone would imagine, very, very closely. And we've been, you know, lobbying them um, on behalf of our clients and, and looking at some of the trends we see. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the chargeback thing works globally um, and, it's, and it's extremely complicated. So tinkering with timelines is never something that they're very keen to do as a, as a first step. Um, but I think it's very welcome to see that Visa are augmenting their uh, observation processes to look at what card issues are doing. So if there is a significant change in behaviour, 
about how customers' claims are being passed through by card issuers, that will be um, will be stopped. That's the that's the promise. Um, the detail, as Monica said, isn't isn't quite there. It's only been announced literally in the last uh, 24 hours, so we, we we await that. And in terms of Mastercard, very very similar. Um, they're suspending some of their big changes that are going on in the background that that. Uh, we're, we're making banks go through this year and um, to encourage more refund behavior rather than than, than chargeback behavior um, those have been delayed slightly to allow everyone to get on mostly business as usual but but similar standpoint in that they're watching card issuers very closely to ensure that there's no um, significant uplift in, in in spurious claims or any accommodation of cardholders trying to abuse the system so, Craig, um, another question has come in, and this kind of is along the same line. Um, if everything's going to digital, will VMPI be not effective anymore? Um, so, VMPI absolutely is 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 extremely important, more than ever, in fact, um, um, as a tool to deliver back to. Um, so just to take a step back, remember with VMPI, it's being used by a card issuer normally when they have the customer on the phone. So it's a great opportunity to share some information about what the transaction is um, and when, importantly, when you were due to deliver the goods or the services to the customer. These are the key points that will be uh, explored in, in chargebacks that will originate out of this crisis. Um, so participating in VMPI is a great way to give an issuer tools to talk to the customer about, well, hey, the merchant hasn't cancelled yet or the merchant is intending to deliver the service. Um, is it that you just don't want it? That's a different discussion from, uh, okay, you can do a chargeback. Um, if that answers the question, uh, Don? Yeah. I think it does. Monica, did you have something to add to that? So no, let's get. I know that we have a bunch of questions, so let's uh, let's take a look at the the next one. So, as a merchant service provider, what should I tell my customers to do to be better prepared for start for chargebacks? Um, so, Star, I think you know, as if you're in the payments industry as a as a merchant service provider, I know there's lots of panic right now. Uh, so, what what we would strongly advise is resist the urge to. Uh, make a make rash decisions and you know we we've seen uh, some providers you know are, are looking at their portfolio and then thinking okay you know these specific verticals you know if it's travel if it's events etc we're just going to immediately close those merchant accounts so let's let's look at the potential side effects from that um, you know by closing a merchant account without enough understanding um, you could be essentially putting that company out of business. Now, the only money that you're going to have as a merchant provider to recover all of the chargebacks that are going to come in, and there will be a slew, especially if you close this company down, uh, it, that's all that you have is a reserve. Chances are that reserve is not going to be sufficient. So you're going to be digging into your own reserves, not to mention you're actually reducing revenue. So not every merchant, especially if you take a look at e-com, which is considered you know, to some more of the high risk venue, but not every merchant is going to experience a reduction in transactions. In fact, many, many merchants, uh, it, funny enough, CBD, I was reading an article recently, is growing uh, along with, with you know, a lot of online merchants. Um, but it's important now that, that I think merchant providers really take an extra take extra time to analyze their portfolio, um, reach out to your merchants, understand what their plan is, 
uh, for, for growth. Uh, don't make rash decisions. Uh, encourage encourage defense on any type of chargeback, so that's representments. If you don't have the technology or the ability to process an influx of representments, you know, find different resources. Um, there's, there's a lot of different resources that are available that can be leveraged as support mechanisms um, for the payments industry and, and making sure that you're putting in the right defense to safeguard you know, not only the income that's going to come from increased transactions that is going to make your business be stable and be around after this crisis, but also protect your business from the influx of chargebacks that is probably inevitably going to hit. You know, it's really important that, that you take that two-pronged approach. That's terrific. Hey, Monica, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to your... Um years of call center experience and customer service as we go through this. Another question came in. It says, is it safe for merchants to usher users to contact our company by email instead of phone to prevent too much traffic on the phones? Yes, absolutely. I, I would absolutely do that. So, um, and I know, you know, this is going to sound a little controversial because I, those of you who, who know me, I spent my previous career for like a decade um, was actually uh, building out like call center software. So I would write scripts and help build, you know, customer service policies and retention. And everything was all about the customer is always right. And, you know, that's given a great um, education and something that I rely on often when we look at how to manage chargebacks and risk, because it really includes that human component. And Today, I think when when you are trying to understand, you know, how best to satisfy customer service, um, you know, you, you have to remember and, and empathize with the customer, but also remember what's going to be the best, what's the greatest good, and the greatest good may be achieved not by making the customer happy and giving that customer a refund. Um, it may just be telling the customer that they don't deserve a refund, empathizing with them, listening to them. Um, and, and if that can be done by email, if that can be done by chat, um, you know, you always want to be empathetic. You always want to be understanding, but you don't want to be empathetic and understanding to the point that you're going to reduce your reserves and, and end up threatening the survival of your own business. Um, if you think about it, you know, just an event company alone or a ticketing company, right? The, many of these companies, especially travel, they have refund policies that are in place that, that actually state, you know, there, there's a no refund policy. So if you take a look at what is the, le the lesser evil, is the lesser evil giving a customer a refund that calls in and, you know, threatens to go to social media um, or is the lesser evil to stick by your policies, try to appease them, do it in an efficient way, do not give the customer a refund, because if you do give a refund, let's just look at what the evil that creates. It creates the merchant losing money that they actually need to sustain their current resources. It also includes all of the vendors losing money. It's a trickle down effect that has substantial consequences throughout the entire economy. On the flip side, consumers today are getting, you know, they're getting help from governments. 
Um, we're getting, there. there's unemployment, there's assistance that is being brought all over the world to help consumers that are in need. The worst case scenario in this scene is that the consumer didn't get to go to, you know, a four-hour event or, or didn't get to go on an, on an airline. And we have to make some of those decisions, you know, and look at things very differently um, that with a more long-term view. You know, that's uh, it's always interesting to take a look at the long-term view, especially in the midst of the, the storm right now. Um, the next question, mandatory shutdowns, which are forcing restaurants and others to be paid non-face-to-face -face environments affecting fraud claims. And I'll take a stab at that first and then and let you um, uh, go from there. Um, there's never a disaster or a catastrophe that fraudsters are not willing to take advantage of. We've already seen it. We will continue to see it. We've seen it on um, donation sites. We've seen it as your bank sending you an email saying, hey, uh, during this time, we just want to make sure you're safe. Give us all your information. We're going to see it in payrolls with the uh, stimulus package that's just been sent out. I expect that to go up even more. Now, with this being said, I wouldn't run from one side of the boat to the other. Uh, Monica mentioned it earlier. You, you do want to look at your fraud systems. Make sure that they're tuned. Make sure that they are um, not sending away good customers. It's, it's a time for tuning, not panicking when it comes to your fraud systems. Looking at your account takeover, look at your new account openings, looking at interactions that you're going to have under normal conditions, and how would you apply those today? You will see an increase of attempts, but I don't think it's a time to panic and, like I said, running from one side of the boat to the other. Uh, expect that to go up and attempts coming from all over the place um, during this crisis. Anything else there, Monica? Um, yeah, I would just, uh, no, I totally agree with all of that. And we've seen, you know, I, I would just echo, you know, whenever a, it's, it's really horrible, but whenever, whenever businesses go out of business and it becomes, you know, media news, unfortunately, there are more opportunistic consumers that use that as, as a vehicle to get money. Uh, so they scrub through their credit card statements, call their banks and take advantage of that. And you know, the sad thing is that many of these businesses, they're, they're closing their doors, they're, they should be closing them temporarily, um, but they're, they're, they probably are going to experience some backlash for that. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's just the way that things go. You know, we've seen a, a couple of other questions talking about fraud and, and, and going through this. I think the best thing to do would be sit down with your fraud team, maybe sit down with your fraud provider, your, your fraud uh, prevention provider. Make sure that you are honed in, that you've got things dialed in the way you want to. Like I said, let's not run from one side of the boat to the other, but be cautious and, and careful uh, during this. We will see an increase in attempts. That's just the way those guys operate. Another question, we offer classes as service. We obviously need to postpone some. How can we get clients to accept credit instead of just charging back? Craig, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked on this a little bit earlier. So the key here is to... Is he there? Yeah, I'm he's, he's here. You're... 
I'm here. Right, sorry. <laughs> See, Monica, you're always trying to talk over everyone. I don't know. The, 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 the key here is, I think we touched on this earlier, is to have the customer accept this. So I think the I, best I, model I've that's seen... That's just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, so having the customer accept the change. So um, being proactive <laughs> and saying, hey, we're, we're clearly not going to offer these classes. Here's what we want to do. And if you can incentivize that in some way by giving a little bit extra or giving some kind of digital service or some kind of uh, interim sweetener is a great thing. As long as the customer accepts the change um, and you have the evidence of that, there, can no, there cannot be a chargeback. If you go silent, um, or or don't offer uh, new terms to the customer, they will be tempted to charge it back. And unfortunately, the card issuer, uh, without any evidence uh, to, to the contrary, will will facilitate that. So, um, I think I think uh, best practice is to is to reach out. You know, Monica, you mentioned earlier. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and I heard Craig say it too, and that is communicate proactive communication. You talked about uh, preferring digital communication channels. A question came in that said, relating to digital communication, is it really taken as valid proof? Customers can argue that someone else logged into their account, it wasn't them who accepted whatever conditions on that communication. Is digital communication accepted as valid proof when you, I guess, during a dispute? Um, it really depends on, it depends on the reason code, it depends on the, the actual chargeback. So there's certain compelling evidence uh, and, and guidelines that govern the types of evidence that can be used. Um, our recommendation is always, you know, look at a chargeback like a court case, right? You need to tell a story and, and it needs to be a compelling story. You're representing um, your side of exactly what happened and, and try to fill in that, that story with as much evidence as possible so that it is, it's concise, it's succinct, and and it's very easy, you know, for for someone to understand how you were taken advantage of. Um, you know, we can't forget there's humans that are involved in these processes. Um, as as technical as it may sound, with reason codes and you know all sorts of <laughs> codes and logic, um, there's a lot of non-technical stuff, and that that human element um, does come into play. And and so, you know. I, I would definitely say that's that's evidence that is well worthwhile and 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 it's just as valuable to make sure that you have as a practice to help discourage that behavior in the first place. Terrific. Let's go on to the next uh, slide question. There, um, we don't have technical resources to integrate or outsource our chargebacks. We can't handle the volumes right now. We're getting killed with Renee Florad. What are my options? And, and I'm going to throw one more piece to that in because it's another question that came in just now that kind of is the same thing as, can you help me with chargebacks that have already occurred? So, uh, interesting question. Um, so, uh, so typically, uh, most most solutions, um, it's no secret. You know, we we manage chargebacks, right? That's what our company does whether it's for financial institutions or for merchants. Um, typically, you know, we, we require a, a technical integration. Um, however, you know, I think um, we have taken, it, it's just, we, we've taken a lot of, of, uh, of development 
time over the last year to really build out a non-technical way to be able to provide, you know, relief for chargebacks. And, and frankly, you know, I think it's, it's not just us, there's different banks, there's partners, um, there, there may be your acquirer may also have solutions that they can help with um, based on the data set that you need. So I would, I would advise don't give up. Um, there are solutions that are available that wouldn't require an API. Um, it doesn't require a lot of technical resources and it can give you some relief, even if that relief is just you know, a, a month or a month to month basis, contact your acquirer, uh, feel free to, to contact us. We can point you in the right direction or give you some support. Um, but yeah, there, there are options out there and definitely don't, definitely take those up, even if it's for a short-term scenario to get you through um, to that, that harm. Yeah, and I mean, definitely don't do nothing. D doing nothing encourages uh, the card issuers to behave badly. So if they see that you accept these chargebacks, then it encourages that behavior. What about things that have already occurred? I mean, this has been going on now for a couple of weeks. I'm sure some of these uh, companies have felt chargebacks already on the rise. Anything they can do for things that have already been registered as chargebacks or disputes um, now? Yeah, so so definitely. Um, so every time that whenever a chargeback comes in, right, there's going your acquirer is going to impose a due date um, for for the merchant, and the merchant has to respond to that. If you're a financial institution, then of course um, your due date is based on the the card brands, whether it's Visa, Mastercard, American Express. Um, but but if you've had a chargeback, providing that it's not expired, there are most companies um, would, if, if, you, if you utilize a service, most companies are able to take any chargeback that has not expired and be able to work that case and recover funds, um, at least on your behalf. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think like Craig said, you know, don't, don't just consider that everything is a lost cause. You know, even if you have a few days, it may, especially with the transaction amount, um, you know, it may be well worth your while to to reach out and figure out, you know, what can you get accomplished, even if it's emailing evidence uh, so that somebody can help you put together that case and recover funds. Yes. Terrific. Yeah, I like the um, you need to at least dispute because if you don't, uh, issuing banks uh, make make assumptions that probably aren't in your favor. So let's go on to the next slide question that we've got here. Our terms require cancellation insurance in order to cancel. If a customer declined the insurance but files a chargeback, how likely are we to have that overturned? That's a really complicated question, and it really and I hate to I hate to cop out. It really depends on the nature of the goods that you're selling. Um, if you have required a customer to have insurance um, and they haven't their end of the bargain then it doesn't really protect you from a chargeback um it only it only then passes the, the lie basically becomes a, a liability argument between you and that customer directly in law um under the contract but i mean that that kind of specifically relates to travel um so so ticketing uh hotels overseas type things um it, 
if it's something else, I'm happy to take the question directly offline if, that, if that's helpful, if it's very specific, but, but it's quite a complicated one. So let's take it out of travel. Let's say that I bought a, um, a concert ticket or a ticket to a ball game that is now canceled. Uh, same, I, I don't know if they offer insurance in those, but same type of thing as any other ticket that I'm going to buy to an event? Um, that's a good example, Don. So if the event is cancelled and you as the merchant claim you have cancelled that for um, a force majeure reason, so an act of God or, or, or anything like that, then unfortunately chargebacks don't really care. It's still a valid chargeback. I see. That's more clear, okay. more clear cut. So there the opportunity is, I think well, the, the running theme through here is to be really, really, really uh, robust and upfront with customers about what you are doing um, so that they understand that there are other, other options before they turn to the bank. Great. Thanks, Craig. Let's go on to the next one. Um, how can banks know if chargebacks during this period are not valid or just an easy way of getting money? I mean, I think this relates more to friendly fraud, Monica, about, I mean, that's always an issue, friendly fraud. How do the banks know what's real and what's not real? Uh, any any suggestions for this one here? So so I think this is a great question. Um, so Catherine, the they they won't know they won't know unless you give them information and feedback, uh, and that's the whole you know dispute process, uh, also called a representment. Um, so if you get a charge back, we we hope that the bank had time to do due diligence. Um, obviously, they're going to believe their card holder, and they rely on you to give feedback so that they can reverse that charge. Um, so yeah, and unfortunately, it's a guilty before proven innocence type of scenario, um, but banks, they, they do have information that they can check. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that happening uh, frequently in this environment with this crisis just due to the sheer volume, and we need to we need to be mindful of that. Um, but yeah, they, they, they rely on your feedback. Terrific. What's the next one we've got there? That, that's it for the, oh. um, the pre previously asked questions, Don. Um, but if you want to go through okay. some of the ones that were asked live. Yeah, there. There's a couple other ones up here. There's uh, there's one that just came in, Monica, that says, hey, we offer short-term rentals primarily through third-party sites like Airbnb, VRBO. Um, <clears throat> and even with a strict no cancellations, no refunds policy, third-party sites are forcing uh, Airbnb and, and bullying VRBO to provide refunds. How do we best deal with this? Uh, so, so again, you know, this, this is going to have to have to require a, just a shift in our mentality. Um, you know, for for the most part, our our economy and and our business really, as as a whole, has been built on the premise that the customer is always right. And you know, you you give refunds, you give refunds easily. Um, but but none of this, none of those philosophies were constructed. To, to deal with a crisis like we have today. Um, so again, I think it, it just, it requires uh, more education and, and, and it also requires some stiff discipline uh, to just, just recognize 
the greater good um, and and make sure that that you tell the right story. If you're dealing with a third party that is trying to enforce um, terms and conditions outside of what your terms and conditions were already agreed by the consumer, then that should be an option that you take or not take. Um, I would advise you don't take that because it's probably not going to be in your in your best interest. Um, you know, provide an ROI analysis. Show show what kind of pain this this type of change would actually affect both short term and long term. Um, if if on the other hand it's a scenario where you know this is this is a new policy that is taking effect, it's something that the end user, the consumer, is going to need to agree to. Um, then you know maybe challenge that with a happy medium that gives you know maybe there's a, there there's a, a voucher that is provided in the event that there's a cancellation. This could have you know a this could have no expiration. Um, there could be, you know, there, there's a lot of different things that could be provided in lieu of, you know, a policy, um, a, a policy like this that isn't going to be in the best interest um, of the business. Yeah, um, it's a tough one. Uh, another question came in, and we may have touched on this, but maybe just to, to touch on it again. Um, has there been any rumblings about card brands considering changing the, the chargeback thresholds, at least for a period? Lots of rumblings between us. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Craig, haven't you had influence by now? I mean, what, what's, what's the deal? This is your job. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to announce it's open season on a... <laughs> um, I, I mean, having work, worked there, I, I can't obviously speak for the car brands, but I can speak with a little bit of experience for how how the, the mentality is. And there, there's never any appetite to make to make changes to well-established rules and processes in the middle of of an event, whether that is um, you know a, a, a domestic emergency in one particular country or a global emergency that we've the size of which we've never faced before. Um, this is just how Visa and Mastercard think. So, I mean, I mean, I think. And if and if it's if it's my opinion so that's been sought, they will have to, um, because there will come a point at which um, um, so many merchants would be switched off, um, and actually the the financial penalties would be would be um, it would not be, be be seen as 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 terribly good business practice for Visa and Mastercard to be levying penalties, uh, which which could actually put an end to some businesses. So I think my prediction is we will see some change in this, but at the moment it is just rumbling. Yeah, I think there's there's additional questions that are going along that vein and saying, hey, if we've been mandated, let's say New York City, I've got friends and colleagues there. They're they're mandated to be closed for 14 days. Idaho just had a 21 day stay at home mandate by the governor. Um, will that give me any leeway? In you know, I've got a 14 days to get my my dispute challenged or something. But if I'm not able to do that in 14 days because of mandates. Is do you, any leeway in there? Or are we still waiting to hear from uh, things like that? We're still waiting. Uh, I mean, we're lobbying. 
I think anybody who has any voice with their bank should lobby. Um, I mean, ultimately, the customers of Visa and MasterCard are their banks. So I think when they start to hear that the banks themselves don't have the ability to receive and respond due to people being at home or, or ill or whatever the scenario is, then we, we will see it change. It's just, unfortunately, it's, it's not happening as quickly as I'd like to see it. But um, as I say, my prediction is that it, that it will change. Okay, and, and and real quick, guys, we're starting to run out of time. I think we get another couple questions in, but somebody just pinged me directly. Uh, Monica had mentioned um, the non-technical integration, and they had a question. They want to know how long that takes, um, and I just wanted some basic information. So, Monica, could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Uh, sure. So, so depending on your system, then that's going to take between twenty-four hours and a week. That answer was way too easy. Can you complicate it for us? <laughs> well, let me see. <laughs> I, I think you, How I many think minutes is to that? Else to make it more complicated. <laughs> uh, well, we are getting to the end. Um, any uh, closing statements? I know we had a slide up here to, to give you an email address for more information, especially during this, the, this COVID. Uh, problems that we're having, but any closing statements, uh, Monica, Craig? Um, I I would I would say uh, you know make sure that you understand. I think a lot of businesses that haven't had chargeback problems um, really you know haven't taken the the notion to track their chargebacks. Maybe they get a handful here and there, um, but I think you know more and more it is becoming. Uh, super relevant, super important that every business understands what type of risk um, they have and understand a prediction on that. So make sure if you're a business owner um, that you you engage with your acquiring bank or your merchant account provider, understand what your chargeback statistics are and, and understand what the process is um, and, and make sure, you know, just that, that you're prepared. Um, there's, I think that's, that's the best advice that we can offer right now. We're, we're definitely seeing, uh, increases, influxes and, and yeah, focus on, on safeguarding that and be prepared. That's great. Um, last thing that I would say is I, I don't think we got to everybody's questions, but we've got them recorded. We will get back with you with, uh, answers to those questions. Um, but it, it's it's a time for quick action, but not panic just yet. Uh, putting a strategy in place and, and having something, I think, comforts and calms everybody. Um, thanks, Monica. I appreciate uh, all the insight. Thanks, Craig. Thank no you. Problem. Thank you. Back to you, Jared. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, thank you. I just echo what Don said. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time out of your day. Uh, I know everybody's, you know, a lot of everybody's working from home. Um, so um, thanks for joining us today.